Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. Excited to have you for another week. Before we get started with our intro of our guest, wanted to announce the winner of our higher or lower game last week. Jonathan Robertson won with a high score of 33. Special thanks to our friends at Full Bay for sponsoring the $100 gift card that will be heading to Jonathan. Uh, if you get a, if you want to beat Jonathan and beat his score of 33, uh, you can get onto the app and and try to do just that. The current Queen of Hearts pot is at $1,900, uh, so the pot ever increases again after Jonathan didn't flip over the Queen of Hearts. Uh, so that big pot's at stake. Winning that $100 gift card each week is at stake. Uh, if you'd like a chance at that Queen of Hearts pot, that big $1,900, you can download the free Wrenchway Insiders app on the App Store or on Google Play. Links to download the app are also in the show notes. Uh, as far as this week's episode, one of my favorites, a really, really educated and well thought out Laura Lyons, who is the president of ATEC Training. Uh, for those of you that don't know who ATEC Training is, they do a lot of the building out of boards, uh, training boards. Uh, they work with schools. They work with manufacturers on coming up with those. And she had a, a lot of really good insight into the industry in general. She's been around for quite some time. Uh, she knows the industry. She knows the struggles that we have in the industry. So uh, what we cover in this podcast are the overall concerns for joining the industry, how we build a stronger industry in general, and then how we retain the techs that we already have. And, and she has some different types of ideas on how to do this and some that I really, really liked a lot. So I hope you all enjoy the podcast today. And uh, without further ado, Laura Lyons. Good morning, Laura. How are you doing today? Doing fine, Jay. How are you? I'm, I am excellent. I'm really, really good. I uh, get to enjoy July in Wisconsin, which is uh, one of our two months of summer. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm enjoying it. How's, uh, how's everything down in your neck of the woods? Um, I, I think it's good. And I have been to Wisconsin in July, and that's my favorite time for, to go to Wisconsin. I, I would not want the cold weather, so you guys can have it the rest. I don't, I, I don't want the cold weather either. It just, uh, I think uh, when you're born and raised here, you just uh, kind of stuck. So it's, yeah. uh, it's all right. But excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, a, a really big fan of what you do with ATEC. I want to start off by one, I guess, talking about what you do at ATEC, what ATEC does in general. So uh, if you wouldn't mind just kind of taking a second to explain your role at ATEC and kind of what, uh, what you guys do, that would be great. Okay, well, uh, I want to thank you first for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Um, if, for those who may not be familiar with ATEC training, we've been in business about uh, 35 years. And what we do is we manufacture automotive and diesel technology trainers. And what that really means is we're focusing on specific systems, say in a vehicle, and um, providing that for the student to learn how that system works, and then introducing some vaulting so they can practice their troubleshooting skills. 
we um, kind of have the whole range where we start out on uh, building the foundational skills and um, kind of the electrical because so much is electrical content these days. So we kind of start out to ensure that they have those built, but we also go all the way up to engines and car clips. And the whole purpose of the trainer really isn't to replace the vehicle. It's, it's really to shorten that amount of time from um, where the student is first coming into learning about vehicles and then where they can actually get on a vehicle. As we know, when we open the hood, you kind of can't get to anything anymore. So hopefully it's just more efficient um, and they get to practice that before they actually get on a vehicle and try to have to find everything. Who's your typical demographic? Who's buying uh, the, the trainers? Sure. So we will sell to um, high schools and community colleges, but we also provide trainers to the OEMs, you know, kind of like your GM, your Ford, your your uh, Toyota, um, all, all of those folks, as well as some of the agriculture like Caterpillar and John Deere. Um, and then we also sell to the military. And um, because really they all have fleets, they all have vehicles that they need to understand how to work on. And then it's not just domestic. We also sell international because those uh, markets exist overseas as well. That is really cool. I've seen some of your stuff and it is outstanding. It's it's really, really cool. Now, what about your role within ATEC training? Is it, um, you're, you're the president of ATEC training. So what is it that goes into your day-to-day? You know, thanks for asking. I, I just had a milestone. So I've been here uh, 30 years. I think I'm a, a fixture now. So. Congrats. That That is cool. So I, I actually started out at, at ATAC in a more technical role. Didn't last long. And then I, I started um, into management and, and kind of the operations. You know, I, I have had the opportunity to acquire ATAC at the end of 2011. You know, so kind of what I do is not only uh, the management side, but um, it's involved with really kind of different aspects. I think it's kind of nice because, you know, we, we don't have, we have about 31 employees. We've been between 30 and 40 uh, roughly over the years. And um, I think it's wonderful because I still can, you know, see what, how it comes in the door, kind of how we manufacture. So we're really a manufacturer. And um, then, so it's also the design because our core is pretty much um, designing and an assembly of the products, but we work with a lot of local businesses too. So it's kind of supporting that community where, you know, they might build the legs or somebody might build the cabinets. So that's kind of nice to work, you know, in your area. And then, And so we build them, but we also have quality control uh, built in. So everybody builds it. If you've ever had a trainer and you do look in it, the person who built it signed their name and the person that checked it out signed their name. So we kind of have had that, you know, from the onset, but it's, it's kind of being involved with those aspects, but hopefully, you know, the, the goal of my job is really to have your people that are uh, your employees that are working here. They're the experts. So I'm just trying to help them do their job. That's the way I look at it. That is really cool. Uh, and and your tell me about your background prior to getting to ATEC 30 years ago. Sure. So I, I think a lot of people in the technical, if you're technical, you can kind of relate to this. I did not start out in business. I thought business was yucky. And so I came, I came kind of in a background. I was in manufacturing. So it was kind of electrical engineering. I worked um, in a packaging machinery company that, that uh, manufactured those. And, um, you know, like a lot of things in our area in the 80s, we had, um, we were a lot of machine tool in that industry kind of struggled at that time period. So um, I thought I would go in the military and have them uh, pay for my education. I thought it was a better idea than me paying 
support. And so, you know, um, I ended up doing hard duty in Hawaii. Uh, but, you know, it, it was essentially it was um, it was military intelligence in the Army. So I really kind of got to see some communication side, which kind of goes in with, you know, some a lot of the technical as well. And so I was able to uh, complete my uh, computer science degree while I was there. Very fortunate that that was able to do that. And then kind of, as you said, you kind of come back home uh, because this is where you're from. And uh, so then I came back and the funny thing is I said, well, you know, there's no other, no other programs to take and I kind of wanted to further um, my education. And I thought, you know, it would be computer science and electrical. So I started working for the packaging machinery that I'd worked at previously because, you know, I had co-op there. So that, that helped. And it was the only thing to take at night was business. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) So luckily I had somebody smarter than me say, well, Laura, everything's business. And they were right. You know, so I think that was a very good way because you kind of, it's kind of balancing everything. You know, when you look at it, you look through it a different lens. So really being able to kind of communicate from a business side, communicate from a technical side. So I, I look at it, you know, I always say when you look forward, it looks all jumbled, your path. But when you look backward, it looks, oh, I see the, how the path all worked out. So that's that's kind of, you know, my background. Like I said, I came here doing technical. I actually did programming and some um design of some of the trainers. And then very quickly, they they got me into management. So but you know, I think it's been a wonderful experience, you know, to go to school in business while you're in a business was very advantageous for me. Yeah, I I could see that like real time application. Honestly, I think that's some of the uh, some of the stuff that when you're putting out your trainers, it's such a good tool because of the visual aspect of it and being able to see something without it being super intimidating. And I I give your team a lot of credit for helping some of our, not only younger people, but like you said, selling to some of the the manufacturers and being able to use, you know, whether it's a board or whatever it is to be able to easily understand and comprehend something, I guess, so, so impactful to, to younger people and uh, into ongoing training in general uh, for our, our technicians. That's a, that's a big deal. Well, and, and I agree with you. And, and I, I think, you know, we've kind of talked about this before was a little bit, you know, no other field do you have the electrical, the mechanical, HVAC and IT all wrapped into one. And it's a, it's a technician. This isn't even at the engineering level, but we all want our vehicles, like I, I have said, at five o'clock, right? And it, so it's a very complicated, it is the fastest growing in terms of just technological change going on um, in our industry. So this need, as you just said, for training is all the time because it's becoming so sophisticated. It's, it's not going to get easier either. I mean, <laughs> this stuff gets more complicated by the day, it feels like. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I hats off to a lot of the technicians and, you know, what they have to deal with. And we're not even talking internal combustion. Now we're talking about hybrids and all the different powertrains. And now we're, we're having electric vehicles um, in here. So that is just a lot to really try to absorb. So I think training, you know, we're only good at what we do every day. I mean, that's what yeah. we're expert in and everything else we kind of have to train for if we're going to deal with it. And because it is changing, that need for training is uh, definitely highlighted more so. This leads perfectly into our topic of the day, right? And really what we want to talk about today is maybe some of the concerns that we've got for people coming into the industry, uh, retaining the ones that we already have, 
and ultimately just building a stronger industry, right? I think you talked about it in how much goes into being a technician. It's a lot. These are really smart people to be able to critically think through a problem and be able to fix something, whether, like you said, if it's mechanical, electrical, something on the HVAC end. Uh, There are so many different aspects to this. And so I want to start off by talking about kind of the the problem itself. And you had attended an ASC conference this week, and, and it sounded like they touched on this a little bit too. But what are you seeing out there in terms of maybe the pipeline of students coming in? Are you seeing enrollment stay steady? Are you seeing it back off? Uh, are we in danger of losing programs? Just want to kind of take an assessment of, of where we're at today. Sure, Jay. And I am get the opportunity to talk to instructors, um, you know, in these programs. And I, I think I've done a great job because I get to talk to a lot of nice people. And most of your instructors, um, it kind of started about 15 years ago. A lot of the instructors, they weren't coming from your traditional you know, out of out of colleges to learn how to uh, develop instructional material, they were coming from the ranks of technicians. And so you're talking a different skill set, you're, you're working on a vehicle, and now you have to train 20 sets of eyes, which is, is a different skill set. So we're seeing a majority of them, I mean, have less than five years experience. And this is across the country. It's not, you know, specific to, to an area. I think it's just in general. And you're probably seeing it in, I would say, other technical fields as well. And some of it is because of the changes, you know, um, in the industry. But, you know, how do we set the instructors up for success to, to train the students? And then we have uh, students that everybody's buying for. For instance, I think um, I saw manufacturing you know, local because I, you know, we're a manufacturer. We've been involved with a lot of local programs because, you know, it's trying to fill that pipeline. You already recognize there's a shortage. You know, we don't have enough. And I looked back at material that was printed 20 years ago. It seems like we've never had enough. I mean, this seems like it's just gotten maybe worse. Um, and part of it is, and, and what you mentioned, uh, from the, what I saw from the ASC conference uh, just Monday, um, where we're losing half of them in two years. I mean, that's significant. Ugh. You're already struggling and now you can't even keep them. So I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of things in this, but we are competing against other industry. We're all competing for the same talent. Yeah. And that's that stat that ASE came out with. I've talked about it before. It is heartbreaking, right? Because it is something where you're seeing the interest. Uh, you're seeing people come into the industry and we're disposing of the, the young people at a pretty alarming rate. You know, I think when we look to build the programs and when we look to build and, and really strengthen our industry, that's something that's got to change. And granted, not everybody is cut out for this, this industry, but, you know, I think even going back to the schools and making sure that when we pull a technician into our programs, that they have a realistic shot at becoming a technician uh, and, and not just filling seats, right? I think that's where industry can help a little bit in terms of identifying some of those people, maybe going to a high school program, uh, even if they don't have an automotive program or a diesel program, whatever it is, but talking to the students and showing them what kind of opportunities are out there and then being realistic about it too. I think there's times where maybe we over promise what the career is when a new graduate gets into the industry and they see, you know, this isn't quite what they told me it was going to be. It leads to some kind of confusion and, and frustration, I think, from the student's end. 
I agree, Jay. I mean, you know, it has it has to be realistic, but I think part of I think there's several facets, and 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 I don't think they're just unique to automotive, but I think from the automotive side is, and and we kind of had touched on this before, but I think part of what we're not doing is we're not um, we need to start in middle school. It has to be before high school, and um, that's when a, a lot of things you know they they start kind of gravitating more so into some of the programs. First off, I think um, in the United States, our career technical we've been doing this for sixty years. We take it for granted, but I mean we have developed a really some really really good programs. But you don't see as many automotive. It is an expensive program. Yeah. So the ones that I see being successful are the ones that are doing dual credit because they're getting them. From high school, you're getting them involved early on. They get to see it before they're out, and they're more likely to continue to stay, you know, to stay in the industry because they've they've had the exposure. They're getting the training early, and they're getting that first year kind of paid for, which I think is fantastic. I mean, I wish we would have, at least myself, would have had some of those opportunities when we were younger. Yeah, I think there's that way, and I think um, the other thing may be. We're not looking at this. Um, it's not like, well, what do you want to grow up to be? It isn't you grow up to be this, you grow up to be. I think we need to shift that like a 90 degree and say, well, what skills do I need to do the things that I enjoy? Because that's how you keep them engaged. And so uh, some of that may be, you know, an engineer is a better engineer if they know how to apply it. So who says that they can't be involved? Say they want to go on to be an automotive, you know, from an engineering perspective, where they can still work in the industry, get an idea for it. That's going to make for a better engineer. It's, It's better exposure to different facets of the industry. So I think there are all of those things that are going to help us fulfill this because it isn't, you know, we see some of them, they grow from the ranks of technicians. Sometimes they're service writers. Sometimes, you know, they might even go into managing or being a general manager of a dealership. There's so many different paths within the field. We have to talk about all the paths, not just it's just this, this is just the solution. There are all those facets and that they know a lot of students like to know that there is a career path. In other words, there are other options. We're, we're not telling them these are all the options. We're just saying this. You have to give them everything because, well, I don't know about you, but I didn't know, you know, 20, I still don't want to be when I grow up, right? 20s and 30s and how you think about things and, and how that changes over time. But no matter what they're going to do, they're going to have to get the skill set, get skills, no matter what career you're in. And you're going to have to continue it because it is changing. So I think if we teach them that way, how do you look for what skills you need and then to grow to that, that will give them more options and keep them more engaged in the industry. Well, I think you hit on something really key there too, is that if you get that core technical foundation, that can lead in a lot of different directions. And I don't know if we tell that story well enough to young people, do we? No. And and I would agree with that. I think they're more capable, you know, what people realize. I mean, at even a young age, like I even tell the story and I'm going to, I'm going to pick on them because it's, you know, it was Wyoming. They don't have a lot of people. They don't have a lot of, you know, money for always education because there's, you know, not, not a lot of people in the state, but I always remember the instructor, you know, he had bought an electrical trainer and they really took advantage of it. They even used it in their fourth grade science class to teach electricity, because I think wow. we can push some of that further down. We're, 
you know, that's some of the things, and and I credit, um, you know, one of our founders, Fred Hines, and, you know, that structure skill development. We're teaching a little bit, and then you're going to build on that, and because we can't just absorb it all at once. You know, it's just not the way it works. So you give them a little bit, and you add a little more, and then you add a little more. And so all those different ways to apply it, and you and I kind of had the John Dewey lost out, right? Uh, I had some education people, you know, tell me, and I, and I really appreciate it because I didn't understand that, that having some of that, you know, hands-on, and that's skill development, we remember more with what we do and, you know, using more senses. We kind of, we know that. So we can do that. They they can be involved in it. They can build circuits. It can be safe and they can learn about it early on. And then it's not so much to try to absorb later or I can't do this. Yeah, you can. You've already done it. You know, we, we I think it needs to be more involved and more ingrained at a, at a younger age. I agree. And I always point to electricity, right? And when it came to diagnostics and even basic electricity, you know, I think working in a shop setting, it's really easy to hear the other techs talk about, oh, that you know, that's diagnostics. That's not my, that's not my wheelhouse. I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. And it becomes this big, scary thing to a, a young person. And if you can break that down into elements where it, it's not as intimidating and they get it conceptually, I, I think there's times where the the waters get muddied, right? Because we we try to overcomplicate electricity <laughs> and and uh, being able to break it down into visuals. And if you can do that at an early age, or you're hearing all of the oh, this is really hard. You know, I think that that's really really impactful. And I think you're right, Jay. I think, um, and I and I had talked about this. Like we'll we'll go to some community things and we go out for STEM. And and so when I when I talk to some of the students. Um, you know, I look at him and I said, okay, who can make this light bulb turn on? Well, to them, it's a challenge. It's in middle school. They're not afraid of it. It's they're open. They're, they're wanting to learn when the time they get to high school, it's like, Oh, I don't want to break that. Or I might mess this up. Somehow something changes. And I think they kind of lose some of that. And so giving them more hands-on showing them how to apply it, or even through discovery methods. And that was something Fred was very big on to letting them learn and they're not afraid of failure. They're not afraid, oh, well, what happens if I do this? Or what about this? Because that's how that's how we learn. It's it's more, it's fun. It's more fun to do that. So they're gonna be engaged. And I think it's it's not that they're doing diagnostics, you're you're you know basically um, solving problems. Like when I go talk to the students, I say, you know, I tell them, I tell them the truth, you know, I've worked in manufacturing, I've never been bored a day in my life, you know. And so they they don't like to be bored, right? So that's you know, but but it is, it's problem solving. And and really a lot of a lot of kids, adults, they're they're good at problem solving. These are the people that can do the diagnostics. So it's a skill set. And I just look at like going through my training and and in a shop, and granted, I was working f- at my dad's shop, right? So it was a little bit different, but I was so terrified of frying a a controller (laughs) or, you know, like maybe putting power where it shouldn't be that it almost paralyzed me a little bit. And I think it was really due to not truly understanding electricity and not truly understanding that you're trying to get it from point A to point B. And, you know, there's a series of different ways that you're going to get that across and I think that's where a lot of people become kind of paralyzed, right? Is if if you don't have a true understanding of it, that makes it really, really challenging. But see, they don't realize they already do. They walk in the room and you turn on a light switch. So you kind of do. 
And so you have to say, well, look, you already have some success here. This isn't you haven't done it. You just maybe haven't done it on this. And so that's going to, that's gives them the confidence. And then again, the stepping stones to that. So a lot of them already have exposure, but as you just stated, I mean, these are building these foundational skills. Now, I mean, obviously I am going to say electrical is a, should be a foundational. What is it that we don't touch today that doesn't have electrical? Why aren't we building, you know, it should be like your math and that, and we don't build foundational skills. Students can't really go on until they've actually mastered it. And we're not talking 60%. We're probably talking like 85%, you know, till they've actually applied it enough that they feel confident in it, then they're ready to move on. You can't teach it in two hours or four hours. They have to do it enough that it actually becomes a skill. And, and I told you that was one of the trainers we did. It was a gripe session. It was literally a gripe session. And we said, you know, ah, they're still doing electricity the same way. We're still getting the same results. And we're like, well, we can keep complaining or we can quit complaining and do something about it. So that's why we developed the one trainer. We, we didn't intend for that to be automotive, it was really to impact it, you know, to address this foundational because we felt it was so important. One thing you touched on earlier, and I think this all kind of comes together kind of full circle, is I want to talk about the importance of a teacher as it comes to getting more people into the industry and and getting them comfortable prior to getting into the workforce. Can you talk a little bit about that? How important is it that a, a teacher knows the fundamentals and knows that they, they, they're going to need to, to actually teach these kids this, right? It's, it's, a, it's something that they might have a basis of, but not a true, like, true understanding. Like, how important is that teacher's role in the development of a, of a young person coming up? Well, obviously, teachers are one of the most important, like steering uh, students into certain certain careers. I mean, because they're with them, they're spending time with. Them. We we need to help our instructors uh, set them up for success. Sadly, some places are like here's the keys. We'll see you in the spring, and that sounds, but it's a reality. It happens a lot. And then if you if they stay for three years, they tend to stay in the industry. They have a lot of turnover because they tend not to make it those three years. They don't know well, who can I talk to, who else knows how to do this because it is a different. There are different skill sets and you know, how to use team based. Um, you know, teaching too, because the students can help do that. And it actually is helping grow the students into leadership roles and other things. And these come from, I, I hear like, you know, our instructor, I'll tell her, I mean, he's, you know, he's done this for all these years. And so he's learned this. So how do you, because they need access to that, to how to set it up and how to be successful, but you're absolutely right, because the instructor is what makes the difference, providing that, those opportunities for these students. Well, and there, there, I, I do feel like there are some, some differences and it's just like any profession, right? There's some that are better than others, but when you get a really good instructor, it is so cool to see that, you know, all of their alumni, the people that went through their program have their phone number, have their email address. And if they're struggling on something at work, they're giving them a call. They're, you know, trying to talk through problems with them and they've got a relationship with them beyond just getting them through graduation. Right. And I think, that is so important for any tech school instructors that are listening to this out there is that the value of that relationship after they graduate is so important to building a good program because then you're getting buy-in so that when future students come into that shop, they know, you know, the, the instructor and there's already somewhat of a relationship or almost kind of a, almost like a family that you create. Being able to communicate through that, I, I think is 
super, super impactful. I've seen some of these tech tech instructors that just, they've got all kinds of students reaching out to them on a weekly basis. And I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. Well, you're right, because those are those are some of their first mentors and coaches. And that's really, you know, the role of instructor, that's really kind of what they're doing. And to help them be successful, not just as you said, yes, they're going to school, but also as they go into life and 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 dealing with some of those other aspects. And that that is a sense of community, um, you know, as they're as they're going through that. But you know, how do how do we help the instructors to do that? And then also reaching out to those students and having them come back. Like I remember event, you know, because Again, it's kind of manufacturing. So we've been, I've been involved with some manufacturing. Some of it was that, you know, STEM or girls. But it's easier for future students to see a young person. They're not going to listen to me. I'm not cool. And so you want to utilize these students as you talked about, you know, telling the reality of what's out there. They can see themselves closer to that younger person. So we did something where we had them from all different ages. And I thought it was a really great idea because they could see first. They can see themselves closer to that young person, you know, being in that role. And then also kind of, okay, there's a pathway. I can kind of go this way and I can kind of go on to this. And they could see I can have this whole career in this. I, these people are in it. They're, they're current. They're telling me what's going on and ask questions and be involved. And again, to build those, those communities. Say we kind of, we do our job as an industry from, you said all the way back to fourth grade and coming up through and kind of giving them the basics, right? And being able to truly understand that. And they're going off to a tech program possibly. And one of the things that I'd like to take a little bit of a deeper dive into is how do we set them up for more success once they're out of that program, right? How do we how do we turn this from, you know, I think ASC stat is like 41 or 42% of people leave within the first two years. How do we set them up for more success once they get in there? And I know that's kind of a broad question, um, but I think it's one worth diving into just based on the fact that that's something that we have to improve as an industry, right? Are there things that we can do to improve the experience of a of a young person entering our industry? And, and I agree. And I think it, it does come down to the mentor. And I'm going to touch on a couple of things. One is, I think, as young people, like you talked about fourth grade, we it was like everybody was in their own silo. You had education, then you had business. We need to be in the community more. So in other words, the businesses need to come in earlier. We need to talk about it. We need exposure. And they need to kind of see that more and more and more because that helps with the transition. Plus, you're also building those relationships because it is, and I'm going to, Tom, or he knows who I'm talking about. It's all about relationships. So we're building that. So I think that's part of it as a community. These people that are out there, maybe in these businesses that are already working, they can reach out and say, well, what about this and learn. Then the other thing is um, mentors. One of the things we did um, and we were looking at because Obviously, there weren't enough women in this was, you know, in technical fields. And I, and I understand that being a lot of times the only woman in that. In that. And um, so trying to develop those support systems. So we felt that that was one of the pillars that was really, really important was setting up that mentor. In other words, don't just, and this is even larger companies, you know, how do you onboard people? 
You know, you don't want to just throw them in the cubicle or throw them in the bay or, and expect that it's going to be successful. You have to set that up for success. In other words, who can can I try to pair them with? Who would like to work with the people to get them up and running? Because as a business owner, faster I can ramp people into the position. Well, that that's better for me. It's better for them. Uh, they're going to be more engaged. It's going to help them be more successful into that position. And we haven't really thought about that. I mean, I think a long time ago, maybe we did some things like that. Maybe some people just inherently took people under their wing, but we need to actually organize it and plan it so that it actually occurs and um, manage it. I mean, even as, as a business owner, that's something really that part of your culture, that's what you want to have. And like, you know, hey, I came in here. It was a great experience. I, I didn't feel like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt more com- confident. And so they're going to rant better and they're probably going to stay better longer because they're more engaged. It, it, it's a great experience. Who wouldn't want that starting out? You remember your first job? Yeah. yeah how, how was that for you? Did that, you know, it, it's scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> And even, even from the standpoint of going from, you know, you've been in school all your life and going out into the real world where, you know, you're working with all different ages of people, like you're, you're used to, I think, being with, with similar age people, but then you go into an environment where you've got all different types of, you know, generational gaps that that we talk about. You know, it, I said it's terrifying. I truly believe that. I remember going into my first real job and being like, oh my goodness, this is, this is, uh, this is overwhelming. And, and it is going to be overwhelming, even even as we get older and we and we take on new positions. So, you know, uh, setting that up and seeing what that was like, you're you're providing those skills so that they know how to navigate that, um, you know. And so, again, I always say you're always setting everybody up for success. That's that's really the, the goal and, and how you want to be. And, and I've said this, too. Would you come in and work for yourself? I mean, we have to think about that. What what was that like? Do you remember what that was like? Because, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at it from our viewpoint, but we're not looking at it maybe from their viewpoint. And I think always when you kind of try to look at it from what would that person's experience, what are they experiencing? Think about that, because then you, you have a chance to try to impact it in a positive manner. Do you think we lose empathy over time? And when I say that, I almost feel that is something in my own regard where maybe you you start to forget what it was like a little bit. And that translates into, you know, you're trying to put out fires as a manager every day and you're just trying to get through the day, but you forget what it was like in that scenario when, you know, everybody's been in those shoes. So it's, you know, do you think we, we lose a little bit of that? I think part of it is, I always tell people they're the experts because that's what they do every day. So I look at it, what they're doing, they're more expert because they're, they're the ones in the position. So I can only view what I, I'm doing. And so I try to think of it more in that manner because I'm not going to know what they're doing. So it's, you know, you're only going to have knowledge or be familiar with what you're dealing with. And we're looking at it from a completely different viewpoint. So you have to think, well, what's theirs and be open to hearing, you know, what they're dealing with, because together is how we really solve the issues. You know, what are the issues? Some things you can control, some things you can't. Like I can't get supplies in or whatever. I can't control external, but we can control what's happening here. And you always have to try to make improvements. What is it, Einstein? You keep doing the same thing, keep getting the same results. Well, <laughs> that's insanity, right? And so there's a lot of truth to that. But I think you're right. It's we, We're only, you know, we, we kind of forget about what their experience is because we only know our experience. And, and I think that's the reality. 
I agree. I One thing I would ask you about is what do you see as differences between 30 years ago when you got into this industry and now? Do you see, I mean, is there a lot of difference or is it a lot of the same? I can only speak, obviously, you know, from what I've, I've seen and, and my exposure for a woman in technical, it's definitely different. There are a lot more opportunities. Um, there's a lot more examples. I mean, I came in, I was reading the computer, sorry, the old manual typewriter is my era. And so I see, you know, you have this phone, this computer and all this information and how you can find it. But we don't realize it's a tool. I think they... I think a lot of the younger, they're looking more of a social thing as opposed to we kind of view it as a computer. So I think there's differences generationally, what we've been exposed to. I do think there's more opportunities and maybe there's just so much. How do you weave through it? Because for instance, I see students and I, I keep saying this college or not, that's, that's not true. It's what skills do I need to have and where can I go to get them? And it isn't just I go full time. They're not telling people you can go part time, you can go military, you can employers will pay for some. There are so many different ways to you get this, you know, accomplished. If that's something you want to do, don't think you can't go look for how you can. But they ha- they have that tool, that phone that is out there, and take advantage of that. And I think a lot of them want to hear that it, other people can do it. You know, can, can I see myself do it? And a lot of young people, yeah very awkward you know when you're young you're like oh my gosh you're scared to death you're a deer in the headlights your eyes are big and what's going on and so you just want to try to give those opportunities to give them some confidence that they can do it but if we don't we're all gonna you know suffer for it because we're not going to have the people to help us accomplish this so you know if like when i go i i, I told people i'd go talk to a stem class where i'm manufacturing i'm going to have props i'm going to beat them because we're all vying for that talent. We need that talent. And so, um, but we all have to be creative. Um, we're all salespeople in terms of we're all trying to promote what we're doing. And But you have to believe in what you're doing. I mean, I think that's where the passion comes from. You know, if, if you're engaged, because I don't want to fight fires. I want to get ahead of the curve. I want to plan it and, and manage it better for that. You're, there's times you do have to do that, but you want to get to the point where, you know, you can make those more impactful. So me, I think my job is to provide everybody what they need to do their job. They're the experts, right? Not me. So that's my job for all of them. That's just the way I look at it. I think that's important. I think being able to, again, you hit a really key point there in believing what you're selling. And we've got some work to do, in my opinion, on making the industry, and I don't know the best way to say this, right? Because it's going to be hard work regardless. It is challenging work. But making sure that when somebody gets here and we get them in the business that we know why they got into the business in the first place. We know that we empathize with you know, how difficult their position is. And I know some of the old school people out there are probably like, ah, I learned the hard way. You're going to learn the hard way. Well, when you learn the hard way, there weren't 20 computers in a car. (laughs) There's a lot more that goes into it now. And, you know, I I look at it, uh, my my business partner, Mark was a CPA. He said, you go through, you know, your four years of school, then you go to get your master's degree. And even then when you go out, 
you're put on auditing, right? Like you're, it's not like you're going out and uh, working taxes for major corporations. You're going through a training plan even after you've gone through, say, six years of school. And I don't know what it is about our industry where we're like, okay, you've you've taken a year or two of school. Let's, you're good. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Uh, I, I think that's where we put ourselves at a really bad position. And I think a lot of it comes down to you know the bottom line, making sure we're profitable. But when you look at it, it's not really that much different than a CPA, right? Like they're offering a service. They have to remain profitable. I think the one major difference is they charge accordingly for their services. And there's times where maybe shops don't and, and are really hesitant to to raise their labor rates so that you can afford to put somebody through a training program. I think expectations of a young tech coming into a shop at times are really unrealistic in how fast they're going to be able to get up and, and produce hours and become a good diagnostic tech. You know, I, I think that's where I think there's just maybe a lack of understanding from both sides of of how this works. And and when should a technician become truly profitable for you if they're trained the right way? And I think you're right, Jay. It really is. It's every profession. The education is to provide the foundational skills just to try to prepare them to go into the job. And the other thing is, I think that we have been looking at employees. It's two to five year window. If you can keep them two to five years, to be honest, when I say that, I mean, they might gravitate to another career, but they may come back. So you really want to have it that they can come in, they can come out because that's really how quickly can we get them up and running? Because you're right, it is a business. And how how it's changing and we have to change faster. We're not changing fast enough because the technology is changing so fast. Those other modes, like you said, they um some of the old people, that's how I learned. Well, that wasn't fun when you went through it, and it's certainly fun today. It's even more exasperating. So because of that, we have to do it differently. We have to think of what's the end goal. Well, if the end goal is to get these people to come in to help us, then we have to do it different. That way is old school thinking, you know, and I'm old school, so I can say it's old school thinking because that's not really the reality. Um, you want to play, provide basically a place that's engaging people, want to do the work, they want to come there, they want to challenge us. It's not a picnic. We all have grunt things we have to do, but at least you're willing to support them uh, to try to accomplish those goals. And that's what you're really trying to create that that atmosphere or environment for it. Because some people, you know, they, that might be it. They might want to be challenged with problem solving. And, and, and I don't think everybody can do all the same skill set. We're all different. Some might be better with electrical. Some are better with mechanical. And to think that everybody can do everything, you can't just pour water on and say, poof, there's the employee. That's how it, that's how it's going to be. It doesn't work that way. You have to, you know, the, I, and I think some one of the things I'm I'm a kind of a proponent of the of the strength finders because I think it's really our strength. And there are strengths because we enjoy doing them. That's why we're really good at them. So if we can identify what those are, how do I best utilize this resource? These employees are resources that you know to try to get them, they'll be engaged. They're going to do a better job. And then so we can try to get the materials and the and the and the people together to basically as employers or businesses provide the best things for our customers. I mean, if you can get that, you're, you're if you get a good setup and nobody's there, I'm not there yet. I mean, that's for, for sure. But we have to continue to look for ways to improve because things are changing and we have to try to see where those are and continue to develop it. If you can get your people wanting to do that and they're engaged with it, they'll drive it. You, you, you'll just hopefully have to provide the resources for them. 
Yeah. And I talk a lot about how important confidence is for a young technician. And you you nailed that on the head is not everybody's the same. I think as an industry, we're, again, something I think we can improve is not putting all technicians in the same bucket. I think we're, we're guilty of that a lot where we think that they're the same demographic. We think that they all have the same interests. We think, you know, we think a lot of things that aren't true. And when you sit down and talk with techs, you start to learn the different personalities, the different, you know, one, one might be a gamer. I had one of the best techs that I I had one, he was very difficult <laughs> to, he was a gamer and it wasn't like he was 20. He was like 65. Would you ever think that you would have a 65 year old gamer as your best technician? That was always an eye opener to me that, yeah, they're not all into race cars or equipment or, you know, they, they have other hobbies and they do other things. But I think, you know, that perception from a long time ago, similar to like, we we talk about trying to get through the grease monkey mentality, but I think, you know, maybe 30 years ago, or maybe 40 years ago, everybody did have the same interests and, and there wasn't, you know, as maybe as many things to do as, you know, these folks that spend time gaming. And I, I talk with a lot of people in the industry and they look at those younger, you know, even the younger, generations that, you know, maybe gaming has a really nice correlation into our industry because it is dealing with technology and they're, they're already critically thinking through a game and it's a different demographic, but I think not to, to go around in a circle here, but that is one thing we've got to change is not putting everybody in the same bucket, identifying strengths so that we can build confidence and really kind of moving that direction. I think that's where, uh, as an industry, we could make a wholehearted improvement really, really quickly. And I agree, Jay. I think, well, part of it is we, we can't use the same you know structure that we used before because it is different. I mean, fields changed. When it was primarily mechanical, okay, they mainly had mechanical skills, but it isn't. I mean, 70% of the content is electrical electronics, and that is not going away. 90 to 100 computers, that's not going away. So we have to look for those other skill sets because it's not to say we don't need mechanical because we do, but now we need all of it, you know, and and so we we need that talent in all those areas because it's going to take that to repair these and keep them on the road. But I mean, the vehicles have gotten there longer, but there are different challenges now, you know. When and I and I do remember distributors. Okay, so when we think mechanical things, war, and it, that made sense because you could see it, and then you can't see it, and so now it's electronic, and we have some things that are longer, but now we have new things that we didn't deal with before: crash avoidance or collision avoidance, you know, and all those things. So the systems have changed. So we have to incentivize. And like you said, identify those gamers. Well, for him, it was a challenge. So how can I provide him these challenges? He already likes that. Let's provide what he already likes. How do I relate it to that? And so I look at it as a manager, that's what I have to try to do better for these people because they'll drive it themselves if you can provide those um, opportunities for them. Yeah, this this is great stuff. I, I feel like we could go all day on this. <laughs> it's it's really, really good. And I think it's really necessary, right? And as we look at getting more people into the industry, keeping the ones that we've got, I think foundationally identifying strengths and being able to cater to those strengths is going to be a big deal moving forward. I, I agree. And I think that's how you keep people engaged, quite frankly, because they already have an interest in it. And it's not to say that all the jobs will be areas they like, but if they know that you're going to provide as much of that as you can, they're going to they're work through the other things, but you're going to be able to, I think, retain them longer. And then there are some that, that might want to grow. I mean, you know, 
we all get older, our bodies don't work as well, but that doesn't mean that we have to lose them. I mean, it, it can be because that's where a lot of times where the instructors go come from. Um, it could be other areas because this is what I, when I go out and talk to young people, I say, this is what I'm hiring you for. You know, it's not this, it's this because that's what has to happen first and anything they're doing. It's what they're thinking about and how how they're problem solving and how they're going to handle that situation. I, I think that's in every, everything they're doing. Uh, it's really to think about things. We, I mean, you know, I think of the seventies cause I, you know, I was around then in the eighties and, and people, they were thought, well, you know, we're not paid to think you're, you know, you're paid just to do, but that's, that's been outmoded a long time ago. If you're not bringing them here for what's going on between the ears, then that's what you really want. You want them thinking, you want them question, why are we doing this? What's this? Because that's how you get, you improve things and make them better. And I, and I think that's what we have to strive for uh, just in general. This is really good stuff. I feel, I think the last time we spoke, I was kind of the same way, but uh, feel very motivated by you. I think uh, I, I love what you do at ATEC training and what you're doing for the industry. And I, I truly appreciate you being on the podcast today. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. I hope you had fun. I did. And uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate the opportunity. And Laura, just uh, real quick, how can people get in touch with you or ATEC training? Well, obviously, we're www. They say ATEC training. I'm not just www, but they can they can reach us through the website, of course, and then you know via via email, of course, you know on that a link. There's obviously the telephone number. You know, if I can help or with anything, you know, we we try to help each other. You know, we're we're even trying to get the Girl Scouts involved. So I'm hoping they should have a. I think they have a patch for it now. So just so you know, there's there's a lot of people doing a lot of those things out there. So I think it's as a collaboration, we can all help solve these issues. I love that. We will uh, we'll have to get you back on sometime to talk about your experience kind of as a, a woman going through the industry. I, I think there's a lot of value in that for some of the young females out there right now as well. So yeah, this this is great stuff. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed this and uh, have a good day. Thank you. 